Today's reading is from the book of Proverbs. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. There is one whose rash words are like sword thrust, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. When words are many, transgression is not lacking, but whoever restrains his lips is prudent. The tongue of the righteous is choice silver, the heart of the wicked is of little worth. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. This is the reading of the Lord. You may be seated. Well, thanks, Mike. Reading, and it really was great to hear the band lead this morning. We have an incredibly talented team. And I just love what they do and how they do what they do. I, I wanted to, before we begin, point out and explain a little bit about what you guys saw in the lobby. Uh, if you saw, there's uh, some sponsorship cards back there, as well as some scarves. And I think it's important that we know why those exist. Um, last night, we hosted something we called Ethiopia Night, mainly because we couldn't think of a better name for it. And so we just called it Ethiopia Night. But it was really an opportunity for us as a church to not just hear a little bit about what um, we learned on the trip that I was able to take uh, to Ethiopia and representing our church, but also to learn how we can further partner with them. And one of the main things we did last night was we actually were able to, to watch a, a film that we made while we were there about kind of the work of specifically Hope for Children, which is an organization that works with street kids, uh, formal, former uh, children involved with child labor and commercial sex work, and other things like that. They're doing incredible work. Um, if you weren't there, that's, that's fine. I would really encourage you, though, to be able to go and, and actually watch the film. I think that it's, it's one of the best ways to see kind of the scope of what they do and why we were so moved and why we're so excited to partner with them. Um, it's on our Facebook page, and so we, we, we've already shared it there. I shared it there this morning, and would love for you guys to go in and check that out. One of the ways that we're responding is um, specifically coming alongside a kindergarten that they have there that works with uh, incredibly vulnerable families and brings kids, gets them started in education. And uh, because of a lack of funding, uh, they've asked us to kind of start our partnership there. Um, and that's what those sponsorship cards are for. I would love for you guys to consider that. It's a $30 a month um, way to kind of go directly to supporting a ministry that is in Ethiopia, run by Ethiopians, uh, that really serve them in really creative ways. Um, there's also scarves back there. Um, that you can purchase, and it's not normal for us to kind of push this stuff, but this is a really uh, important way for us to actually partner with their organization. And so one of the things that they do is they're rescuing kids who are in child labor situations. Specifically, um, there's a, a, a number of uh, boys who get brought into a child labor situation where they are having to weave and, and do a bunch of stuff for other people. They don't make any money from it. They don't do anything like that. They're out of school all of those things, and what uh, Hope for Children does is rescues them out of those situations, gets them back in school, and actually gives them their own loom that they can use that skill that they've been exploited for before to actually use for their own self-sustainment uh, and, and self-development. And those scarves are made by those kids. All the money goes back to support them directly, um, and it's an incredible ministry, and they're really cool scarves. So um, I wanted to let you guys know what that was and, and ways to do that. I really encourage you guys to go see the video and, and, and learn more about this because we're going to be doing a lot more with Hope for Children in the future. Well, in following Frank's lead, I want to begin by reading from uh, a psalm. We're going to read Psalm 19. I had joked that I was going to read Psalm 119, 
uh, but we're not going to be doing that. Um, <clears throat> we're going to read Psalm 19, and, and really this is our prayer. I want us to think of this as a prayer that we're reading, that we're looking at together before we um, hear the word of God and, and what it has to say through the Proverbs. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the ends of the world. In them he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber, and like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens, and its circuit to the end of them, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned, and keeping them there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. We are continuing this morning in our series through Proverbs. And obviously we're not touching on all of the Proverbs. We've chosen to, to kind of hit on some very specific areas that we believe, given the world that we live in, needs some wisdom spoken into. And I love the way Proverbs is argued. It's actually really a, a very clear way that Solomon goes about talking about wisdom. Frank mentioned this at the beginning and really in his first sermon laid this out. There's really three characters in the book of Proverbs that he's referring to throughout it. There's, there's the wise, which is uh, the wise person is one who uh, receives life, is seeking wisdom, is living out the wisdom of this book. There's the simple who hasn't chosen which path they're going to take. And then there's the fool. And the fool's path ends in destruction. And there's a really consistent argumentation throughout the whole book. Basically, the way of the wise leads to life. The way of the fool leads to death. And we've seen this play out in the last few things that we've talked about. We talked about self-control versus anger. And we talked about purity versus lust. In both of those cases, it's arguing that self-control and purity lead to your own life. Lead to your own flourishing, lead to joy, lead to peace within your own life. And anger and lust lead to the opposite. It leads to your own demise, it leads to your own destruction. And it's very explicit in how it talks about that. There's no real middle ground in this. It's not that foolishness might lead to death. It's that foolishness will lead to death. It's very clear but in all of these things, it's basically talking about the effect that it has on yourself. 
And the reason I mention that is because when we're talking about words, which is what we're talking about this morning, the way we use wisdom with regards to how we speak, how we talk with one another, how we communicate, how we utilize words, it actually changes the argumentation a little bit. So the truth is, words exist because other people exist. If other people didn't exist, there would be no use for words. And we know this because of the movie Castaway. And that we, we had to suffer through 45 minutes of the most boring thing we've ever seen on television. Yes, Tom Hanks did great. But we know that words are only a reality because other people are around us. If other people didn't exist, we would have no use for words. When we look in the Proverbs, the argumentation that he uses to talk about why we should choose wisdom over foolishness is not because of the way the words affect us, but because of the way the words affect other people. Words are something we do for other people. And the way he talks about it, it's very similar in his structure, but it has more to do with how we affect others than the effect that it has on ourselves. If I can be candid, I think we sadly live in a world where foolishness in our words is the norm. We live in a world where foolishness is the norm with regards to how we speak, how we communicate. And I think we all know this. And if we follow that logic, we can see that foolishness produces destruction. It produces hurt. It produces pain. And I think all of us in this room, I know myself, can look in their past and see how words have hurt. We have felt the pain of words. We have felt the division, the, 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 the destruction that can come from people's use of words. And we need to recognize that, and hopefully one of my goals is that we can begin to see how words can also start to heal, how the words of the good news of the gospel can heal those past wounds in a, of, that have been caused by foolish words. The other reason I mentioned this is because I would say particularly in this sermon, it's going to be very easy for us to hear these things because we've experienced them from other people. Think, man, I really wish that other person was here to hear that. I mean, I think that's natural. We kind of hear that and like, oh, I just wish that person could have heard that. Or maybe we just nudge the person next to us, uh, which usually doesn't go well. I want to challenge you, and I'm going to use one of the Proverbs to challenge us to not do that. It's going to be really easy for us to think of all of the ways that other people have misused words. And for us to miss, I think, the, way, the fact that not only have we been hurt by words, but we have used words to hurt others. We have used words foolishly. And be able to see how that plays out in our own lives. In Proverbs 12, 15, it says this. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. I want to challenge you to not follow the way of the fool as we listen to this sermon. As we hear this, and, and, and this is something I've challenged myself to as I've prepared for this and as I'm preaching this, to not just throw this off on other people, but to allow this to correct us, to allow this to exhort us, and hear this not for other people, but for ourselves. So let's look at what this looks like. What, are, what does it mean to have wise, worlds, wise words in a world of foolishness? 
probably shouldn't have chosen the tongue twister as my main talking point. Wise words in a world of foolishness. What does that look like? How can we even discover and decipher what it means to be wise? We're surrounded by so much foolishness. Well, the first thing, we're going to look and kind of outline five different things the Proverbs say about using words wisely. And the first, I would say, is kind of the overarching theme. This is, this is the baseline question that we ask ourselves, or the baseline metric for it, and that's that wise words bring healing and life. Wise words bring healing and life. In Proverbs 12, 18 says this, there is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. I love how it talks about this because in both scenarios, words are incredibly powerful. I think for us to really understand wisdom with regards to words, we need to understand the power that words have. I love his, his, his analogy of it, that, that foolish words are like sword thrusts. It's like we've all been given a knife. Every single one of us just is wielding a knife all day long. And we can either use it to cut people and stab people, or we can be like a surgeon or a chef and use the same tool that can be used to hurt people for the sake of cultivation and healing. Words are a knife. That's kind of the thing that, that, that is um, consistent in this. Words are powerful regardless of how we're using them. But we can either use them to cut, to hurt, to destroy, to divide, or we can use them to heal, to cultivate, to create, and to grow. Either way, words are powerful. And wise words are words that are used to bring healing and life. We've heard that phrase, sticks and stones can break my bones, but words can never hurt me. That is a lie. <laughs> that is not true. Um, I, I love, uh, it was Ricardo Stewart in Preaching Collective. He, he's the lead pastor at Redemption Tempe that pointed this out. He says, you know, we hear this, but the truth is, like, broken bones heal. Wounds like that can heal. Sometimes there's really funny stories attached to them. We can share these things. We can laugh about them. When we talk about the wounds that we get from words, there's usually not funny stories attached to those. Those are the deep wounds that take a long time to heal from. Those are the wounds that we carry with us. In fact, it should really be the opposite. Sticks and stones can heal, but words really, really hurt. I think we, when I think of the power of words, I, so I teach a class at GCU. Um, I've taught a few different classes at GCU um, to worship leaders. And one of the big things I try to communicate to them is that their words matter. When they're, on, when they're on stage and they're saying things, whether it's a transition from song, whether it's song lyrics, whether it's a prayer, what they say actually means something. It matters. And one of the illustrations I'll use is actually an illustration from history. Um, I'm a big history buff. I love history. Um, and in 1848, in Europe, uh, a small little pamphlet was published. And there was a lot of other things going on, but this pamphlet ended up causing a lot of harm. The pamphlet was called the Communist Manifesto. It was written by Frederick Engels and Karl Marx. Some of you guys might know 
at least one of those names, recognize at least one of those names. It was a very short book. Within that same year, this was published in February, within that same year, there was a, some form of communist revolution that happened in every single country but one in Europe. And I'll say this, and I mean, there's probably a lot that can be learned from that, but one of the things that we have to learn from that is that words actually do matter. It's not just something you say out there, and there's no real effects in real life. Words have power. And we see that played out throughout history. Words have the power to either bring death or to bring life. And I want to kind of speak specifically um, to a few different groups of us with regards to this, because this is something I was really deeply convicted of. Um, first, to parents. I'm a parent, and I know that I don't always use my words with my kids in a way that brings life. And it is so devastating to realize the effect that my words have on my kids. Your words mean so much to your kids. What you say, how you say what you say, matters. And it's an incredible responsibility that we as parents bear. That we can either be constantly bringing life into our kids or constantly be bringing destruction into our kids. And I know that sounds heavy, and that's because it is heavy. We need to pay attention to this. We need to care about the words that we say to one another, particularly to our kids. Uh, for those of you who are married, your words to your spouses matter. It is incredible how often, if you will trace back the depths of kind of marital problems, it starts with the way they speak to one another. It often comes down to an issue of the way things were communicated initially that breaks down trust, that breaks down love and care and joy and delight and all of those things. Your words that you say to one another matter. They have the power to bring life or the power to bring death. And for those of you who are not married and do not have kids, pay attention to this. Start practicing now because it just gets harder when you're married and then it gets really hard when you have kids because kids are hard. <laughs> Practice these things or understand the power of your words and understand the incredible opportunity that you have in using them. I think obviously it's easy to see the negative impact that words can have on people. But as it also says, Words of wisdom bring about healing. Words can bring life. And I want to make this point because I think that when we hear this, we say, okay, well, that just means we need to tell people the truth. And yes, we need to tell people the truth. That is a baseline thing of saying, how do you speak words of healing to other people? We say things that are truthful to one another. But it is not just enough to tell people the truth. And I think that this is something that is so important in and why it's important that we ask the question, not did you tell somebody the truth, but did what you say bring about life and healing? I loved what Tim Mon said about this. He, he's the pastor at Redemption Gilbert, one of the pastors at Redemption Gilbert. He said this, he says, too many churches are trying to major in truth without majoring in life. And if we remember, and we'll, we'll look at this passage later, that Jesus himself is both full of grace and truth. It is not just truth, but he is completely full of grace. So we have to ask the question, are the true things that I'm saying bringing healing in life? 
It's, we, we talk about this with our kids all the time, with one another all the time. It's not just about what we say, but how we say what we say that matters. So we see that wise words bring about healing and life. Secondly, we see that wise words are few, restrained, and thoughtful. This is a fun one for somebody who has to talk about this for 40 minutes. But if you look at it in Proverbs 10, 19, it says this, When words are many, transgression is not lacking. But whoever restrains his lips is prudent. When words are many, transgression is not lacking. But whoever restrains his lips is prudent. There's kind of a cultural wisdom out there that we'll hear all the time of just, just speak your mind. You know, just share what you're feeling. Or you can say whatever you're saying as you say, as long as you say, you know, I'm just being honest. That is not how the Bible talks about words. <laughs> there is oftentimes moments, I would say many times, when you shouldn't say what you're thinking. When you shouldn't express what you're feeling. When just because you're being honest doesn't mean that you're being loving. This is the difference between wisdom and foolishness. And I really was aware of this when my kids began to learn to speak. You know, you get so excited to just have this conversation with this little bundle of joy and love. And then they start talking. And they keep talking. And they just won't stop talking. And you realize a lot of the things that they're saying aren't really all that great. <laughs> and you kind of remember those good old days before they could talk. You think, I kind of liked you more back then. You know, kids, they, they actually, from a brain chemistry standpoint, for a long period, much longer than when they learn to speak, don't have the ability to not say what's on their mind. They just say what's on their mind. And usually what's on their mind is not really all that great of stuff. And, you know, it's, 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 I guess it's fine when they're kids. The problem is that this just doesn't stop. That we grow up, and, and that never changes in us. We think we can just say whatever we're thinking. We think we can just speak into something whether we know what we're talking about or not. And this has only gotten worse with kind of not just the use of social media, but what social media has done to actual conversation. Frank has talked about this a lot. He calls it the dis disinhibition effect. That you will say things online or kind of mediated through a screen that you would never say to somebody in real life, that this disinhibits you, the anonymity and just the separation of not actually having to deal with when you say something mean, you see it in their eyes and you see the pain that they have, it makes it so you say things that you would never say in real life. And not only that, but that actually ends up affecting the way you actually deal with people in real life. And we now are saying things in real life that 10 years ago we would have never said. This is only getting worse because of our cultural climate, which is why it needs to matter to the church. We are now expressing our foolishness more quickly, more frequently, and to a larger audience. And that's rough. And I've been there. I've seen the thing, and I'm like, I'm going to do that. And I think, if I had just waited two seconds, or maybe done like a quick Google search, Maybe I wouldn't have written what I wrote. Maybe I wouldn't have said what I said. 
we are to express restraint in the way we use words. And that's not to say we shouldn't say anything ever. We need to use words. Words are a gift that we give to people if they're used properly. But when it's talking about restraint, it's not talking about repression. I think that's always the thing. Like, well, we don't want to repress our emotions. It's not about repression. That's not the way the Bible's talking about it. And the truth is, yes, you should maybe not express all of your emotions. But the reason why, it's, it, what, the reason why it says that, it's because we have an on, the Bible has an honest understanding of, the, of a person. It has an honest understanding of how we work. Our minds are corrupted. Our feelings are misleading. Our knowledge is often incomplete. Because of that, we shouldn't say everything that's on our mind. We shouldn't share all of our feelings. We shouldn't speak with confidence about everything. We're in a world that everything has been validated. And so therefore, we should just say everything that comes to our minds. But wise words don't do that. Wise people don't do that. In James, this is reiterated, and James is just really an incredible book to actually read, coupled alongside, I'm going to find it, coupled alongside the Proverbs. In James 1.19, it says this, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Be quick to hear, slow to speak. And slow to anger. Wise words are few, restraint, and thoughtful. Not only that, but wise words, as we'll see in our next proverb, are valuable. Wise words provide value. Let's read this in, in Proverbs 10.20. It says this. The tongue of the righteous is choice silver. The heart of the wicked is of little worth. I'll say this again. The tongue of the righteous is choice silver. The heart of the wicked is of little worth. So many of you guys probably use some type of program, some type of thing to be able to measure kind of where your financial state is. Some people use Turbo, uh, um, Quicken, the people will actually write it down. They'll use a spreadsheet of their own. Uh, we've started using something called Mint, which is a thing. It's really cool. It kind of will go and actually show you where all your money went in the month. It'll categorize it for you. All of these cool things. I promise this isn't an advertisement for Mint. Um, however, it is. it does have intuitive features and powerful results. Um, <laughs> just want to make sure that's clear. Um, the reason I mentioned that is... As I was thinking about this, you know, it's normal for us to measure value in that way. It's normal for us to kind of think of it like that. But the way Solomon is talking about words is through a very similar lens. He says, your words either are valuable or worthless. In the same way you would think of an investment or think of money or think of your assets versus your liabilities, it says your words are either an asset or a liability. And I was just kind of imagining what this would look like if we kept a word portfolio and we could measure the value of every word we would speak. I wouldn't do that because that would be really depressing, I think. At least I would probably be in the red. 
And I'm not saying that you should do that. Um, and I'm definitely not saying that you should do that for other people. That's a bad idea. That's just not going to be helpful in any sphere. But I think it's in- interesting to think about it like that because I don't think we oftentimes think of it like that. In the same way, we don't really recognize the power of words. We don't really recognize the value of words. We don't weigh what we say on that scale. We just kind of say stuff, whether it's valuable, whether it's worthless, anything. We just kind of talk. We just kind of say things. And we don't think of whether or not they're valuable or whether or not they're worthless. And going back to kind of how we saw this in, the, in uh, the first point I made, the way we understand whether our words are valuable or whether they are worthless is the effect that they have on others. Are the words that you're using bringing worth and value to the situation? Or are the words you're using either causing harm or bringing no worth or value to the situation? And it's very simple. It's really interesting the way he talks about it. It says, wise people will say more valuable things and say less worthless things. It's very simple. They weigh the value of what they're saying, the investment that that thing is making in other people, and choose, should I say this? And should I not? Wise words are valuable. And we have the choice of whether or not we're going to be adding value to the world around us or if we're going to cause more worthlessness and destruction in how we speak. James 1.26 says this. I should have just stayed in James. Um, says this up on the screen. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, This person's religion is worthless. This person's religion is worthless. If we do not learn the value of our words. So we see this in this psalm, and and it's so clear. The tongue of the righteous is choice silver. The heart of the wicked is of little worth. Is of little to no value. One other thing we take from this is is point number four. Not just that wise words are valuable, but that words are an indication and outgrowth of the heart. Look at this proverb again. I'll read it one more time. The tongue of the righteous is choice silver. The heart of the wicked is of little worth. So this is something that the Proverbs do a lot. They'll, They'll kind of pair two phrases together as a means of either contrasting or building an argument. And generally, it's called parallelism. They would usually kind of say the tongue is this and the tongue or the tongue is that. And you would expect two of the same things to be compared, which oftentimes happens. But in this case, it's not. And it's not for a very good, and they choose to do it differently for a really good reason. What he's ultimately saying is that there is a correlation, a direct correlation between your heart and your words. There's a direct correlation correlation between your heart and your words. Jesus reiterates this in Luke. He says this, for no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person is out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. And the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. 
This is reiterated again back in the Proverbs. And we looked at this proverb earlier in Proverbs 4, chapter 23. It says this, keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flows the springs of life. There is a direct correlation between the words we use and our hearts. And it's very simple what he's ultimately saying. He says, foolish words come from foolish people. Wise words come from wise people. So if we want to speak with wisdom, then we need to cultivate hearts that are wise. You know, if you've ever spoken with a dietitian or a nutritionist or some, somebody in that field to kind of figure out how you can maybe get healthier or, or anything like that, they'll oftentimes begin by just having you write down for a week what you eat. They'll just kind of have you take an inventory. What are you putting in your body? Every time you eat something, every time you drink something, just write it down. And then they go through it and they talk about it. And like for me, it would be like they say, maybe 17 tacos a day isn't a good idea. Let's start there. Pare that down. It makes sense. What we put in our body affects how our body functions. This, this seems very basic. Cause and effect. In a very real way, this is how wisdom works and the cultivation of wisdom works. What we put into our hearts and into our souls will affect the health and wisdom of our souls. And if we're wanting to do this, if we're understanding that words are an indication and an outgrowth of our heart, we need to take an inventory of what we're putting into our heart. We need to take an inventory of what we're bringing into this on a regular basis. And then we need to start cultivating wisdom. One of my favorite passages in Proverbs, mainly just because at first it seems like kind of a weird way to say it, but it's in Proverbs 4, 7 through 9. It says, the beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom, and whatever you get, get insight. Prize her highly, and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place on your head a graceful garland. She will bestow on you a beautiful crown. The reason why I like this is at first it seems weird, but then when you think about it, it makes sense. If you want wisdom, you have to pursue wisdom. We live in a world that we just want things instantly. We want it just to happen. We want to be able to purchase it through maybe a seminar or an online class. That's not the way wisdom works. Wisdom is something that is developed by habits over time. And so it makes sense for us to think about what are our habits and are they producing wisdom or not. You can, uh, look, there's a, a wisdom pyramid that, uh, somebody pointed out the irony of the fact that even though the internet and all that stuff is up on the top, I did find this on the internet, and we are going to probably post this on the internet afterwards for you to get. I get the irony. But I really like this. Uh, it's really practical. You have the Bible, our daily bread, kind of as the consistent. That's the main thing that we should be consuming. Then we have local church tradition, theology, wise people in Christian history, the worship and rhythms of worship that we have. We have nature and beauty, enjoying both the nature and beauty outdoors and just what is built within a city. Uh, we have books. It says more old books than new. That's not to say that there aren't good new books just there's a lot of books, and old books generally have lasted the test of time. And then it says internet, and then it says social media, and all that stuff. And it's interesting because it doesn't say don't do it. It just says do it in balance. And this is something that we need to care about. 
Like, I talk to my kids about, like, they want candy. And they say, well, is it wrong to eat candy? I'm like, no, it's not wrong to eat candy. It's just wrong to eat candy all the time, which is something that they would do if we didn't stop them. It's fine to eat candy every once in a while. Just don't do it all the time. You know? It's not that it's saying there's no place for just enjoying something every once in a while. But if that's all you're doing, that's wrong. Like, it's okay to maybe watch The Bachelor every once in a while. Just don't do it all the time. Don't let that be the only thing you're doing. You know, it's, it's interesting because we hear this and it makes so much sense. At least to me, this makes sense. Like, what you put in is going to produce a certain outcome. But it's something we put so little thought and attention to. You know, if we are listening to angry radio all the time, if we were watching angry television, if we were reading angry articles all the time, there is a very, very good chance that you are going to be an angry person. If you are reading and watching and listening to things that are just very frivolous and very gossipy and very surface-level stuff, most likely that's all you're going to talk about. Most likely that's all you're going to spend your time doing. It shouldn't surprise us, our behaviors, when we actually look at our input. And what it talks about is that wise people say wise things. If we want to know how to speak wisely, we need to cultivate wisdom in our hearts. One of the things that I've done in my own life is to really make sure I'm learning the value of words. I think particularly with text messaging and emojis, which is probably the downfall of our society, but um, I use them ironically. Never, on, never intentionally. What a hipster thing to say. Um, <laughs> we've lost, in many ways, the value of words. And one of the ways that I'll do this, I, I try to read poetry a lot. I think there is no other profession in the world that understands the value of words more than poets. The goal of poetry is to say as much as you can and as, as many deep things as you can with as few words as possible. So I know this might seem weird, but try reading some poetry. Try ex just exposing yourself to people who use words wisely and efficiently and well. Learn to ask the why behind behavior. If you want to cultivate wisdom, don't just figure out what people are doing. Ask the question of why. Why did they do what they do? And that ultimately will drive wisdom in your heart. Balance your media input. Well, this might sound weird, but balance it out. If you are one side or another and don't have any balance in how you are receiving information, perspectives from which you are receiving information, you will be in a bubble. It, it will be unavoidable. Learn the value. Understand that what, co what goes into your heart will affect how you speak. And if we want to be wise in how we speak, we need to be attentive to what we allow in. The last thing we see comes from Proverbs 18.2. It's that wise words improve understanding. Wise words improve understanding. We read Proverbs 18.2. It says, A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. Read that again. A fool takes no no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. 
I think that rings true. That might be our culture's life verse, only not in a good way. One of the most dangerous aspects of the modern world is the devaluing of credentialed conversation and the pursuit of understanding. I don't think we realize the devastation that this causes in how we interact with one another. The fact that nobody is interested in actually understanding something, they're only interested in whether they can say what they think the loudest. And we might think it's funny at times, and it might be funny at times, but the, the ultimate effect that it has is not funny. It is ruining the ability for people to have understanding. It's ruining the ability for people to find life through words. Tom Nichols wrote an article called The Death of Expertise in The Federalist a few years ago, and I want to read a section from that. I feel like he, he really talks about something in this reality in a really unique way. He writes this. He says, I fear we are witnessing the death of expertise. A Google-fueled, Wikipedia-based blog sodden collapse of any division between professionals and laymen, students and teachers, knowers and wanderers. In other words, between those of any achievement in an area and those with none at all. There's also that immutable problem known as human nature. It has a name now. It's called the Dunning-Kruger effect, which says, in sum, that the dumber you are, the more confident you are that you're not actually dumb. And when you get invested in being aggressively dumb, well, the last thing you want to encounter are experts who disagree with you. And so you dismiss them in order to maintain your unreasonably high opinion of yourself. There's a lot of that loose on social media especially, but it's not just on social media. All of these are symptoms of the same disease, a manic reinterpretation of democracy in which everyone must have their say and no one must be disrespected. This yearning for respect and equality, even perhaps especially if unearned, is so intense that it brooks no disagreement. It represents the full flowering of a therapeutic culture where self-esteem, not achievement, is the ultimate human value, and it's making us all dumber by the day. Thus, at least some of the people who reject expertise are not really, as they often claim, showing their independence of thought. They are instead rejecting anything that might stir a gnawing insecurity that their own opinion might not be worth all that much. And that's hard. We look, in this, we, we look around us, and this is, this is sadly what is so true about the, the world in which we live in, the foolish world in which we live in, where what a doctor says weighs the same amount as what just somebody who has an opinion about something can say. Where, you know, a, a person who has devoted their life to political science weighs the same as somebody who is a first-year political science student. That's not the way of wisdom. That's not the way of understanding. That's not the way words should be used. When's the last time you had a conversation, or I had a conversation, where we just walked away understanding things more? When's the last time you've seen that play out on the internet? I mean, if you want to get really depressed, just go to public comment threads, which I'm not suggesting you should go and do that to get really depressed. But this is an example of it. It's just people shouting at each other. There is no dialogue. There is no seeking of understanding. And that might be the way of the world. That might be the way of foolishness, but that is not the way of Christ. That is not the way Christians should live in this world with regards to how they use words. 
So where do we go from here? Now that we're all super depressed about how we speak with one another, now that we've all been offended, now that we've all been hurt, what do we do with all of this? There's really two things that I I think we should walk away with, and this is where I think true healing is going to start. We need to remember that wisdom is not about moral will, at least not initially. Yes, wisdom takes cultivation, wisdom takes time, wisdom takes practice, but it is not ultimately about moral will. Where wisdom begins is submitting our lives to Christ. And we need to remember that Christ is the word of healing. He is the word of life. Let's put up on the screen John 1, 1 through 5. It says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness is not overcome. And then in 14 it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Let's look at Hebrews. It says this of Jesus and how he speaks into this words of life. It says, And to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant and of the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. If we want to know where healing with our words begins, where wisdom with how we speak begins, we need to look first and foremost to Christ. He is the word of life. He is the word of healing. He speaks a better word than the words of death that surround us everywhere. He is the word of life. We need to start there. Submit to him. Find healing in his words of forgiveness and life. Secondly, God gave us a gift in how we can begin to heal through our words. You know, the truth is, we're going to hear all of this, I'm going to say all this, and there's a very good chance that even today we're going to use our words foolishly. We're going to say something that ends up hurting somebody's feelings. We're going to say something flippant or it's not thought through. We're going to say something that's worthless. This is a reality. And yes, we want to be constantly growing in how we wisely use words. But the truth is, I don't think any of us are there yet, myself included. So what do we do in that situation? Well, God gave us something called forgiveness. And that is how we begin to use this process. I, I want to put something up on the screen. And we're going to practice saying this out loud. You think I'm joking. We're going to actually say this out loud together. Because I want us to speak it. I want us to feel it. I want us to not be afraid of these words. So say this with me. I was wrong. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? Let's do that again. I was wrong. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? Now this time with feeling. I was wrong. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? Yes. Yes, I will. Thank you for saying that. It is incredible the power that these words hold. And I'm not joking. This will turn a situation around. The words of damage that you've spoken into your kids, apologize for it. Seek their forgiveness. Say, I was wrong. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? When you say things to your spouse, when you say things to your roommate, your coworkers, your family members, anybody you say something foolish to, say you're sorry. 
and ask for forgiveness and watch the power of God's healing through words work. It is incredible how much power is in that phrase. I was wrong. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? The world needs this. It's not just what words are doing to people's hearts in this world, but what words are causing other people to do in action. We are living in a world filled with foolishness in how it, things are communicated and how words are used. This is happening on every level. There is just a devaluing of how words are used. Imagine the gift that the church would be to this world if we used words wisely. Imagine what an incredible light that would shine into the darkness. What value it would be like choice silver, as the Proverbs talk about it. If we as a church would cultivate this and speak words wisely to one another and into the public sphere. In the midst of division and pain, we as a church can speak words of healing. In a world of overcommunication and frivolous conversation, we can speak with restraint and thoughtfulness. In a world where so much language is worthless, we can bring value and weight to the public dialogue. In a world of foolish words, we can have words of wisdom flowing from hearts filled with the wisdom of God. In a world of uninformed and loud opinions, we can be the bastion of truth and understanding. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, God, as we hear these words, Lord, I pray that we would first and foremost find healing in you, the word of life. Lord, you are the word that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Lord, we are surrounded by death and destruction and the foolishness that people say and foolishness with which people use their words. Lord, I pray that we would look to you, we would find healing in you, and Lord, grow in wisdom. Grow in the way we use our words to love one another, to bring life to one another. Lord, give us understanding. Cultivate our hearts so that we are wise. Lord God, and we thank you that you, in your power, have given us the Holy Spirit to develop that in us. Lord, I pray that we would grow more and more attentive to your spirit as we speak. Lord, that we would deepen our hearts through the spirit of wisdom that lives in all of us. Lord, we pray this in your name. Amen.